Hi, I'm Paul Swinkler and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week we take a journey, a GDPR journey, so buckle up, relax and enjoy the ride. Hi and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Um, so we talk a lot on the show about data compliance, governance and control uh, and topics such as uh, the EU General Data Protection Regulation uh, GDPR uh, and we've done a number of shows where we've looked at the uh, the context of that and we've also looked at some tools and technologies that can help businesses to um, start to develop um, you know develop their own GDPR compliance policies and procedures and, and, and roadmap. Um, but what I came across uh, at the early part of the year was a series of blog posts from uh, one of uh, one of the companies I, I enjoy working with quite a lot, and that that was Veeam, where they talked about uh, not how their technology could be part of your uh, helping you to become build a GDPR compliant uh, framework, but actually about the process that they'd gone through to start to build their own uh, policies and procedures and, and in, an internal compliance program for GDPR, and no doubt a range of other compliance uh, around the globe. So, um, so what I thought would make an interesting show for for us all would be to um, to have a chat with some. Of the guys at Veeam who were behind um, putting that compliance program together. So to um, so to have that conversation, I'm uh, I'm joined today by Mike Wessler. Hi, Mike. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Yeah, real good. And uh, thanks for taking the time to, to join us today um, and talk about uh, everybody's favourite uh, technology bingo uh, buzz phrase, GDPR. Um, so, uh, well, look, before we dive into that and, and kind of this fascinating topic of, of the way Veeam have, have approached this as a as a global company as opposed to maybe as a, as a technology company, um, why don't we kick off with a little bit of, uh, why don't you introduce yourself um, uh, and tell the listeners what it is you do over at Veeam? All right. So... My name is Mike, as Paul already mentioned. Um, I work within the R&D department of Veeam, uh, where I'm the director of uh, product management, uh, working on a, a set of functionality uh, within our solutions. And, and one of the uh, responsibilities I also have is, is keeping an eye on GDPR, and that's both for uh, our solutions for the outside world, but also internally uh, within our own company, where I work together with some very smart minds. Uh, uh, who are responsible for making sure that Veeam itself as a company is GDPR compliant. So that's more or less in a nutshell what I do at company. So, so I quite like that you've got a whole bunch of other roles as well as keeping an eye on GDPR as though that's not a role enough for you. Um, but um, well, one of the things straight away actually that you said that was um, that was interesting there was, and, and I think why this series blog posts, and we'll, we'll put a link to those in the show notes, which was why um, it kind of caught my attention, was this idea that Although Veeam are a technology company, I think for lots of us, we, we have to remember that technology companies, like the rest of us, are, are businesses with requirements around data compliance. So um, so rather than talking about this from a technology company with some tools that might be able to help you to become GDPR compliant, I thought this was quite an interesting take on looking at the kind of processes you as a technology company have gone through. Um, but I keep talking about these kind of blog posts. Um, and, and just before we started recording, we had an interesting chat actually about why Veeam thought these blog posts post might be something that would be helpful for um, for businesses who are looking uh, or maybe starting around starting this kind of compliance journey so um so, so what was the thinking behind put, putting those blog posts out there for for us in the general public yeah so uh, around two years more or less ago we really started to dive really heavily into this matter because you know uh, Veeam is an international company we've got lots of customers within Europe we've got employees in Europe certainly something you can't forget your own employees uh, we work in so many countries and and well we, we, we really started to study what GDPR was uh, 
we we spent quite some months on investigating and with investigation I mean we hired consultants we talked to lawyers uh, we've done our own investigation and we quickly realized that this was really going to be a, a, a rather costly uh, project that we needed to do internally if I can call it a project um, so with all that effort that we were doing and uh, with the fact that we saw a lot of information on the internet appearing when we talked to our executive management we said look if, if we want to talk about GDPR as a company and and we were kind of pushed by the market to talk about because our competition were doing other technology uh, companies were doing it let's not do another blog about what GDPR when do you need to be compliant and so on but let's share what we have learned and and you know safe uh, our customers save our prospects save everybody, everybody wants to read those posts and, and the white papers and what what else we we brought out and maybe you know uh, save them a few dollars um, giving them a head start making sure they can start quicker on on, on, on the project now one thing I want to make clear is the way that we approached it and which we I'm sure we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes is one way but you know every company at least that's my experience in, in talking to many of our customers and every company is unique but we, we kind of felt out what we laid out five different steps or principles or whatever you want to call it um, that they are more or less the same for everyone and then based on those you could prepare and get your own journey uh, to GDPR compliance. So I think for us the biggest reason was, well, uh, let's be honest around that, we wanted to make uh, some noise around it as well and it was, uh, a lot of our customers were asking for it, but we also wanted to make sure that we brought some value because I think um, it's, it's a painful project for many organizations and I, I also believe and I hear that a lot is that many organizations see this as something they have to do but funny is although I already said that you know it costs a lot, a lot of money a lot of time effort people that need to work on it um, with our company we actually welcome this new legislation um, if, if you look at the previous one which was built and if I'm not mistaken, it was 1995. Um, that was a completely different time. There was no smartphone. Internet, well, you, you might have called it internet, but it was completely a different place and a different way of working. And it was just not ready. And let's be honest, um, times are moving so fast now that a new legislation, a bad legislation was necessary. And again, it's costing us a lot of time, effort, money, but we do believe it's going to be a good thing, not only for uh, people itself, but also for companies uh, that will be more protected by these type of legislations. So that is more or less the main reason why we started this type of information. Yeah, and I think um, and I thought there was a couple of things that, that, that really stood out for me, actually, in what, in what you've just said. Because um, one of the things I, I was interested in, and you, you, you've covered it really in, well there, was what Veeam's view of this change in legislation or this, this change in regulation was. And, and it sounds as, as though, you know, Veeam have seen this as a widely positive thing, you know, and I, and I think I would tend to share that in that... Um, 
I think part of the reason this regulation exists is that often if we look across, you know, we only have to look across the, the IT press on a weekly basis to, to understand and see the latest uh, data breach is that I think too many organisations didn't take our data privacy and data security as, as seriously as perhaps perhaps they should have done. Um, but also that you recognised really early on, and, and I always find that quite interesting that you, rec- you know, you talked at right at the start about you had consultants come in, you spoke to lawyers that I guess that Veeam didn't see this as a technology problem at the start. You know, is, is that the case? You know, Veeam, Veeam understood quite early on uh, that this was a much bigger, you know, this was a business compliance issue and not really a, a technology problem to be dumped on the IT department. Yeah, um, that was uh, certainly the first thing that we noticed. Um, now, obviously, we do realize uh, that technology can help you uh, very much in improving compliance. But becoming compliant is, is in our vision, is is, uh, is about workflows, is about procedure, and is about people. And and that's also when we started, uh, again, more or less two years ago, I, I forgot the start date when we started with this, uh, I got involved from an R&D point of view, uh, where in the beginning I was more somebody who would listen. Uh, we got internal IT involved because, you know, lots of companies were thinking in the beginning, this is an IT problem, IT has to solve this, make us compliant. But we immediately got HR involved. We immediately got uh, one of our top executives involved, who was the major sponsor of it. Uh, we, we got uh, the, the chief of our legal department involved, uh, Mark Wong, who did a few items uh, and has done a few podcasts, actually, as well, for uh, on that point of view. So we, 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 we really started looking at every business in the company. And while in the beginning we might have not talked to everybody, um, it became quite quickly clear from day one, this is not IT alone. Uh, again, a mistake made a lot, but it's about bringing all of those different business units together, let them work together, uh, and build your procedures and workflows and, and, and the demands of those different business units, um, getting those together and, and, and change your policies and so on based on that. And then based on that information, then you're probably right. Then the time is to look for the right technology that can support you there. Um, but yeah, we, we, we started this. And then um, if you read this blog post, uh, and, and as you said, you're going to share them, you'll see that the first thing we did was had nothing to do with technology. It was literally understanding what, what data that had, what were the workflows, how was it coming, what were we using, what were we not using, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I, and I think again, you, you kind of um, you know lead nicely on to to one of the initial thoughts I had with this was that how do how does an organisation of of any size, but obviously you know you're you're an organisation of a certain scale as well, is that. How how did you go about identifying that that way forward? You know, you, you've talked in there about you you pulled a a cross-business team together so you know you realized that um, it was important to have people and I think the word sponsorship that you mentioned in there is quite a good one that it was important you had executive sponsorship um, and important that people across 
the organisation as a whole saw the importance of this regulation and, and compliance and were working towards being compliant with it. Um, I mean, did you when um, without calling anybody out and getting them in trouble, um, but but did you have any um, any pushback within the organisation that oh this you know this is just going to be an IT problem or isn't this to do with security what and and computers what's this got to do with us? And I appreciate as a technology company maybe you don't hear a lot of that, but but was there any kind of areas of the business that were that didn't see what they could bring to this and you know and and, and was that something you could easily correct and and help them to understand the importance in their involvement yeah so um i think the biggest pushback we had was we've got obviously a few business units um which are not uh where, where the drivers of those business units are not uh within europe uh they're coming you know north america based they might be asia based and and when we invited them, when we wanted to come together, it was in the beginning it was pretty difficult to convince them of the importance of this work because in the end it was not their problem. Why would they need to be talking about GDPR? That's a Europe problem. So it took us some time to actually show them and learn them. It doesn't matter. You have somewhere data which is applying to a European citizen, which is applying to a European company. You need to be compliant as well. And one of the first things we also did, thanks to that executive uh, sponsorship, and, and as you say, this is extremely important and something that should be discussed very well, is that we decided to take GDPR as the de facto standard within our company. And the reason why we did that is because we believe this is a very, very good one and that many other companies, uh, sorry, many other uh, countries and regions will more or less uh, adapt their policies to this GDPR. So in the beginning, we got some people saying this is not for us, this is not important or, you know, uh, Another typical answer, which I haven't only heard internally, but also externally talking to customers, when they give up their data on our website, we've got a ULA, uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, they, we don't have any issues, everything is arranged already. Um, it's not completely true, you really have to revise everything. Uh, I'll probably come back to that a little bit later as well. Uh, but sometimes it's indeed very difficult to, to let people understand how important this is. Um, but, you know, considering the fines and so on, I really think that everybody should take this very, very seriously. And to be honest, I think the fines is one thing. Um, I know they speak about, what is it, uh, 20 million or 4% of your uh, profit, whatever is, is greater. Um, but it's the damage that you get. If you, you know, have a big breach against GDPR, there's a lawsuit, you lose it, then you're basically going to be on the market as a company that cannot be trusted with data. And I think that that damage is, is much more important than a fine. Um, in some cases, you know, the fine will be important, but... Um, I think that that reputation damage could be also extremely costly in the in the very long run. So it's with these little things that we always prepared uh, that we started talking. Um, you know, we took snippets out of the GDPR legislation. We made a nice PowerPoint presentation, uh, convinced people uh, that they should work with us, that they should comply. And it took us a couple of months, but in the end, um, everybody was on board. Um, and then from that moment on, we really could make fast 
big progress. So, yeah, having everybody on board is probably the first step you need to do. Well, and you, and you talked there about kind of progress, and, and I think what was interesting in these uh, these blog posts was this kind of um, methodology that that you, that you took as a company, as, as Veeam, this kind of five-step approach. So it's, it's probably a good time to, to maybe delve into that. Now, I know you've touched a little bit on kind of step one, which was to, to know your data, but, um, but but what were those, uh, you know, can you talk us a little bit through those those five steps and the, and the kind of activities and outcomes that you got as you as you went through them? Yeah, sure. So um, when we started, we we uh, we kind of look really into how are we going to do this approach. And and after a couple of, of weeks and months of debating and, and, and creating plans, we came up with five steps, uh, five principles, as I like to call them, uh, which we use to, to become uh, GDPR compliant and to stay GDPR compliant in the in the long future uh, view. So the first thing, and, and it kind of we already touched more or less, but uh, we were talking about knowing your data, and this is a pretty important one, and it's also the most painful one. We had to identify what type of data we actually uh, own, and what of that data is actually personally identifiable information or privacy information of. EU persons of uh, EU organizations and so on. Now we t- took it a little bit broader and we decided to do whatever, whenever we had that type of information, whether it's from a from a North America or from a Asia type of person, uh, we decided, you know what, we're going to take this globally, this GDPR globally, no matter uh, what the location is. So we we identified the data. Uh, we tried to make sure they were more or less all uh, together on infrastructure. So to give you an example, if we had specific data uh, which which contained PII, then we tried to move all of those databases, or if it was uh, unstructured data, to the same type of VM set so we could uh, manage and uh, monitor them easily. We looked who had access, and we also looked who still needs access to it because, you know, the way it grows over the years, somebody needs access, the access never got removed. Uh, I think that is something many companies will understand. Uh, we looked at the location, and then finally we created manually, which, you know, took some time, but we created flowcharts. How is the data coming in? And that's a pretty interesting tip and something which I first was like, you know, this is going to be a lot of work, but now we see the value of it. And we really looked at how is the data coming in? Um, where is it moving to? To what location is it going? Who's actually accessing it? Why are they using it? Are they doing some sort of intelligence on that data? And finally, what are we doing with that data that the outside world uh, sees or that our sales sees or our marketing sees and so on? So that was a, a rather important one. And then immediately after we've done that, we started by really managing the data. And with managing the data, why we did that so fast was because otherwise we, we, we figured out that we would need that step one, knowing the data. We need to do redo that every three months. And we didn't want to do it because it was so much work. So we immediately started tagging the data that we identified. We learned about the differences, uh, uh, how data was being used by sales, how data was uh, used by marketing, and we identified different workflows and, and, and worked on that as well. Important in this one is that we also started establishing partnerships. We talked with the people of, for example, Workday, which is our uh, partner uh, for HR. Um, we looked at them. We we uh, we talked to them, and we figured out: Are you guys compliant with our data, with our internal company 
data at that end because uh, in Workday there's no external data but it's only about our own employees. But another great example would be uh, one of our storage vendors where we sat on the table and said, okay, we do partnerships on a yearly basis uh, for events, uh, for webinars, for those, and we share information. People that come to that webinar, people that go to that event, how are we going to share this in the future? So we really wanted to make sure that that partner is GDPR compliant as well. And the funny thing was that partner wanted exactly the same thing. So we had to set uh, together, we worked together, and we created those workflows so we know that whatever data we're collecting is going to be safe with the partner and vice versa, whatever data the partner is collecting and wants to pass to us, they know it's safe with us. So that is one of the... Uh, things we also did in that in that part. Now the third principle was really about protecting the data. I mean what we see in the uh, in the market now and uh, a lot on the internet is all of these information hey you have to be secure because if there's a breach you need to tell us in 72 hours you need to identify it you need to solve it and so on and and there's a lot of information about you know firewalls and making sure that nobody can access the data that there's no breaches and antivirus and and ransomware and those things and that's really good don't get us wrong i mean that's extremely extremely important but when we talk about protecting the data, we look beyond security as well. We look about internal auditing. Again, who is accessing the data? Who actually has physical access to certain parts of our infrastructure? Um, we look at end-to-end -end encryption way more than we did before. We wanted to make sure that whatever, even internally, data is being moved over the network, that it's being encrypted before it lands on the final destination and obviously at rest that we encrypt as well. Um, we already had some intensive monitoring within our organization, but what we also did is uh, make that monitoring bigger, meaning that now when we monitor the data, at the same time, we monitor the underlying infrastructure. Because if you monitor the data and you lose access to the data, whatever happens, could be ransomware, could be a breach, but could be as simple as your service going down as the electricity in your data center, as bad cooling, as even a s simple drop of the internet line, right? So we started to put those things together. We've got PII data here. We're monitoring that data. We've got our security on top of it. But everything below the infrastructure, and this could not only be on-premises infrastructure, this could be the infrastructure running in an IS environment or a SaaS environment as well, we started to monitor that as well. Right, so that were uh, uh, big steps that we took, and then and then we started really working on documentation and compliance because we realized that at a certain moment you can have an audit, um, but not only for an audit. We also uh, are a company that needs a data protection officer, a DPO. So we wanted to make sure that his work or her work is certainly uh, something that can be done easily. Uh, why we wanted to do it, because uh, the way it used to work, we had monitoring over the entire infrastructure. We had reports over the entire infrastructure. We had dashboards over the entire infrastructure. But the DPO, what he or she needs is reports, is dashboards over only the private data. That's his or her concern. So we started to create those dashboards. We started to create those reports based on the tagging that we did, uh, based on multiple 
technologies that we use, obviously our own dog food that we use, but also other monitoring solutions, other reporting solutions. Um, and we started through that tagging to compile those reports and dashboards only on that specific data so that he or she can do the daily, weekly, monthly reviews and, you know, start complaining if something is not good or start making uh, adaptations to the workflows if necessary. So that is also something which we spent quite some time on and which we are going to have to do on a regular basis, review if new project starts, new reports need to come in, old projects dies, those data needs to be moved and so on and so forth. And then finally, and this is something, you know, after the 25th of May, as we like to say it, when, when, um, it really gets into effect or when the grace period is over because again I already said it but it's already in effect um, we know that for each new project for each uh, new type of information that we collect we are going to have to continuously improve this process this is not a project that just ends the 25th of May we are gonna have to keep up <coughs> sorry I think um, I think it's kind of something which you hear in a lot of slides, you know, but we're uh, or, or presentations. We live in a fast-paced world; things are changing rapidly. Um, you could see that as a marketing statement, but in the end, it's also the truth. We are moving very fast. It took about ten years before virtualization was something that everybody had somewhere in their environment. If you look at the cloud, it's going faster. If you're going to look at artificial intelligence, if you're going to look at big data, if you're going to look at uh, Internet of Things, uh, all which are going to contain lots of data, so probably even more important, you're seeing that this is getting introduced in your environments way faster than before. So we need to keep up with that. We need to constantly evaluate our procedures, our workflows, and obviously we need to um, to improve or adapt our dashboards, our reports, and so on. So that's in a, in a nutshell the five steps that we identified, four of which we have been doing and, you know, in all honesty, there are still a few things which we are uh, getting in line before that 25th of May. And then the fifth one, uh, which will be constantly driven by the DPO. But again, not only the DPO, it's going to be working together with the, the business owners, with the owners of the data, with HR, with our uh, senior management and so on and so forth. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think that's a really important point because I, I think um, often people look at. It's interesting you, you kind of mentioned um, you use phrase GDPR project and and then said if if I can use a phrase project and, and I think that's probably alluding a little bit to kind of where we've gone now that you know project makes you think of something that has a beginning beginning and an end. Um, but I think as you've just just said there, you know, I, think, uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly is that the idea that building this kind of compliance program um, around GDPR in this case. Now, building this is, is an, you know, an ever-changing feast because, as you said at the beginning, you know, the idea, the reason that this regulation exists at all is because the regulation that it replaces, it was kind of written 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, is now no longer, uh, you know, no longer valid for a kind of a modern digitally driven business. And I think, you know, if we were to make the same mistake here and that our, the way that we used people's private and personal information, if we felt that 
just the thing that's right in 2018 would be the thing that's right in 2025 i think we just run into the same mistake don't we so so i mean so i mean how do, do, do you go about that as vegan as well how do you look at um driving that continuous improvement you know what, what's the what's the method for doing that and, and i'm assuming as you do that you you go and review those other uh, other four steps as well at the, at the same way those other four principles so it's you know continuously understanding what you know about your data and how you manage it and protect it and and, and make sure that you've got the appropriate documentation and compliance but but is there a way that you are going to drive that continuous improvement yeah um so we, we kind of stole the idea of gdpr itself uh well stole uh <laughs> Uh, one of the things that they say is, you know, data protection by design and by default, which means every time you start a new project within your company, instead of thinking about security, thinking about backup and those kind of things, most of the time in the past, you know, somebody built, built a project, went into production, and then, oh, we don't have backups. Oh, we forgot about the uh, antivirus or something else, right? So GDPR forces you to take those type of defenses, those type of, of ideas in the project from the beginning. So within Veeam, um, we, we're going to approach it two ways, right? Our DPO is going to look at everything we do and, and be the driver behind revisions of what we do. Um, even with projects that are already existing or data flows that already exist, if he figures out there are better ways to do it, uh, there are smarter ways to do it, he's going to be the driver based on all the reports and the dashboards to make those modifications. But we also said every new project that we implement, uh, which could be new software, which could be uh, a revision of the software, you know, upgrades where we suddenly have more data fields and those things, every person that will work on that project. And this is actually something which will be kind of pushed from internal IT, um, although it will be the business people understanding the data that will need to work with this. They're going to look at it and going to say, okay, do we need to put this into our workflows? Is this personal data? What do we need to do to make sure that it comes to our DPO, who then will take it into his dashboards to review and so on. So instead of only backup, only um, security, antivirus, and all of these things, high availability, we are not only putting specific technical terms anymore with a project, we now decided that GDPR is one of those factors or standards that needs to be looked at from the moment we start the conversation of a new project. And that's that, that's a really interesting shift, isn't it? And um, and actually, just as you was kind of explaining that, one of the things in in the back of my mind was, uh, have you um, have you developed some internal processes around education so that um, you know you're talking there about GDPR and compliance being part of your kind of design process now for you know because ultimately you are a technology company yourselves you know the, the idea that you're starting to build that kind of compliance thinking into everything you do is there a way that you're going around educating people across you know across a global business in your case is there a is there a way you're going around educating people about the importance of data privacy and, and compliance Yes, um, so we, we, we used our internal education team. Um, you said yourself, we're a technology team, so our, our field engineers and so on, they need to have education on a regular basis. So we kind of have an internal team as well uh, that does all the building of that knowledge for our internal field. And now one of their additional responsibilities was also build courseware, or uh, if you want to call it like that, internally for those, um, for, for GDPR. One thing we did look at is, and that's actually a part 
um, that comes back in principle too is, and I call that know the difference. Um, one of the things we quickly realized is that we did not want to fall into, you know, the old IT trap of handling everything the same way. You know, 10 years ago, IT ruled from the ivory tower, and if it was a good for accounting, that was a good for engineering. But we saw that different business units had different needs. You know, marketing, in our case, was using the data differently than what sales was doing with the data. So when we started to learn about the data, and we did that with surveys, really simple Excel sheet-based surveys that went all different business units that they owned, um, uh, what they were using it for, and, and maybe even trying to understand, do we own data, which they actually don't even use at all. And then based on all of that information we got, we actually let our legal, uh, our head of our legal department, made videos. And he literally made videos, you know, with the face, like you're talking to them, where he addressed per video a business unit, talking about the importance, used their examples, uh, why it's important, why we could not lose it, what we needed to do it, when do we need to remove it, and so on and so forth. And then really worked uh, around also, you know, when new stuff comes in, we have to think about this. So awareness is something uh, which we put a lot of effort in it, and in all honesty, um, we've already did phase one of this, but we are aware that phase two and phase three of this is going to need to be there as well. And then a next step would be, and I, well, we still got a few uh, <laughs> weeks left, but new hires will kind of get a one-hour crash course on GDPR as well, depending, again, on what business unit there will be. So when they're onboard training, this will become a de facto standard as part of that training as well. So, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we've covered you know, covered an awful lot in quite a short time here. And, you know, one of the things is, as I listen to you talk that, that's and you, and you actually mentioned this yourself. I think well, one one of the things that really strikes home is just how wide-reaching, um, uh, you know, and, and that's partly driven by you know Veeam being an organisation of a particular size and, and a particular global uh, kind of global coverage. So you know that that, that that makes a challenge slightly bigger than it might do if I was in a you know in an office with 25 staff. Um, but lots of the principles are absolutely still apply, don't they? You know, with the, the, that kind of GDPR awareness and building an appropriate compliance program is 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 important to all of us. But um, you know, but certainly the you know the size and scope of, of what you're doing, I think you, you've relayed really really well. And I, I suppose as we wrap up and uh, as we come to the end of our time, I, uh, what is, is uh, from and uh, not necessarily for people who are starting their GDPR journey because you know as we say we're, we're kind of five six weeks away now from at the time of recording at least five six weeks away from uh, GDPR regulation becoming enforceable if you were um, you know if you, you were talking to somebody who wanted I don't know a top two or three tips of things that you have learned while you've uh, while you've been through this process over the last couple of couple of years is it is a two or three kind of top things that you've learned or things that you might have done differently or or things that people should absolutely be looking to do yeah um, I, I, I think well I, I'm not as I said in the beginning, right, I look at it from an internal point of view, but I've been uh, talking to a lot of customers as well and understanding what they were doing. And and I think a very important tip is is think about your partnerships. Um, even if you think about, you know, my company, we're using Office 365. 
think about a fact that it remains your data, right? Well, there are many companies that use other software as a service, right? Salesforce, Workday, for example. But also, think about some other partnerships. For example, we've got a partnership with quite some storage vendors out there. Well, we literally sat around the table with them and discussed about, okay, um, you as a storage vendor, we will give some you know, marketing information that you collected, but you need to prove that you are GDPR compliant. And w they asked exactly the same thing from us. So when, when you're working with different companies, when you're doing some joint work and, and, and maybe some events or something, think about the fact that both parties or multiple parties have to be compliant. That's one thing which, which we learned quickly that we needed to uh, react very quickly and that we see in the field as being forgotten. Uh, also, and the other important lesson that we learned is, is something which I half mentioned already is when we talk about protecting the data, right? Uh, security uh, and data protection by design, by default, is that many organizations will look at this only around the security area, but it's much more. Uh, think about monitoring because. What it actually means is if something happens with your data, you're responsible of getting it back online as soon as possible. And yes, firewall, firewalls and, and security protection and end-to-end -end encryption and, and auditing and all these things are extremely important. I'm certainly not going to say, yeah, you don't have to put much effort in it. But it's more than that. What if something happens? Do you have high availability for some of your information? Uh, do you have monitoring to see that everything is healthy? And not only the data, also the infrastructure below. And it is something which we saw pretty quickly. We were looking at the data and we forgot forgetting about the infrastructure below. So if that died, well, we still didn't have any data, even though none of the monitoring systems were telling us something. And last but not least, and, and well, you know, as I said, it's a continuous project, so even if you're not there yet, it doesn't matter. Starting as fast as you can, please think very, very deeply about documenting and complying. And one of the things we learned there is that we put a lot of effort in segregating the data. Um, if it wasn't data, uh, personal identifier information data, so personal uh, information, you know, we were going to do the documentation and so differently because in the end, this GDPR is about that PII data. And we literally shifted and moved some of the data to put them onto the same type of infrastructure. And that is where we started building our documentation. And that's where we made our dashboards on it. So our DPO doesn't have to plow through hundreds of reports on a weekly basis. He's got now a set, well, it's still a big set, but he's got a good set of documentation, reports, dashboards, which he can go through. And if something is not looking good in that report, he knows it's about personal data and he needs to get into action. Well, my, I, I, I mean, that's been really fascinating, and uh, you know, thanks for thanks for taking the time to share that because I think that's um, hopefully for the listeners, yeah, that that's given a really interesting insight into a into a journey of a company of a certain size with you know with, with your own set of challenges, and as you kind of touched on a couple of times, you know, you, all, all companies have their own sets of individual challenges around doing this, but you know, the, the principles of, of what you've covered there, I think, are, are really valuable. So, um, look, if people want to find out a little bit more about Beam's journey, and I've said I'll, obviously I'll put links in the show notes to. Um, to some of the blog posts and things but uh, you know where, where's a good place where uh, some resources that you guys have got where, where you're sharing some of this information 
So yeah, um, uh, you already mentioned that blog, but uh, if you go to our, our website, um, there's there's a, a part about resources, and in our resource library, uh, you're gonna find a few things. Um, you're gonna find some white papers, but one of the things is also a webinar uh, with what actually that that would be me uh, as well, <laughs> where I go in depth on those five steps. Really talked about the different things we did per step. And 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 uh, what we what we saw, what we learned, and so on. So um, if you got you know somewhere a, a spare hour, that would be a great way to start. You can actually, if I'm not mistaken, you can download the PowerPoint there as well. Uh, that gives you all of the information, all of the different bullet points on where we worked on. So yeah, that would be very interesting. But obviously, uh, I do hope that most are already busy with it and. Uh, because you know time is ticking away, I guess. Indeed, <laughs> is. And Mike, if people want to uh, want to track you down, uh, can can they find you on social media, Twitter account, LinkedIn, somewhere like that? Yeah, uh, my name is uh, maybe a little bit difficult uh, to write, but my last name is uh, Ressler, R-E-S-S-E-L-E-R. My Twitter is Mike Ressler. To each other, LinkedIn, uh, you will find me there at the same way. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time. I think that's been a fascinating insight. And, um, you know, hopefully the uh, – and I'm sure, in fact, the people who have been listening to the show will have, have picked up a lot of really useful tips. So, um, so Mike, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing that. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. Next time, we take a look at things, the Internet of Things. So to make sure you catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>